Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Now, if we look back um, to before the pandemic, just think about, we don't actually like looking back, but it's a good thing right now just to look back to before the pandemic came and You know, maybe things were really going well for you. Um, Maybe your spiritual life was the best it's been for a long time. Uh, Your time spent with the Lord was fantastic. Uh, You were just getting into a good rhythm of reading and praying. Uh, Perhaps your marriage was, was doing really, really well. Your kids did fantastically well at school in 2019. Or perhaps you were planning a wedding or You were planning to have another baby, and then what happened? Well, there is no doubt that we have lost ground, church. You know, we we were like thrown into turmoil. We were thrown into turmoil regarding our future, right? And I don't need to tell you what a difficult time this has been. It's been a dark time. It's been a disappointing time. It's been an uncertain time. And... um, You know, it's just been a very stressful time. And we as a church, we were on the brink of doing great things. Talking of Centurion, we were looking for a building or some land to do something great in the city of Pretoria. And we were on the brink of of something fantastic. You know, we just had an amazing men's conference. The the, uh, men's conference was the best attended conference. We had a bumper weekend. I don't know if you remember it. And then that night, it was like darkness fell upon us, isn't it? It it just, we went into this dark, horrible place. So for months with church online, we lost that sense of belonging. Thank God for church online because that has been a lifeline we could throw out and keep keep us all connected. And we always say it hasn't been the same, but really it's all we had at the time. And, um, you know, but we did not sense God's presence the way we do when we are together as God planned all along for us to be, to be in community, amen. And, um, you know, we were restricted and we still are. You know, that human touch is gone. We we, we, we can't hug each other. I mean, even as family members, it was hard because, you know, you couldn't hug one another. Perhaps you still can't because people are exposed all the time. But you know what? God has been with us all through this time. My question is, have you lost, you know, have you lost your discipline and your sharpness? Have, have you, you know, lost that something that kept you going, doing things God's way? Or have you been like Frank Sinatra saying, I did it my way? How, how have you done this season? Have you done the season God's way? Or did you do the season your way? way. And spiritually, you know, we may have lost our sensitivity to the whisper of the Holy Spirit and his leading, and um, we may have lost our cutting edge. So I want to speak today on regaining our edge. We have got to regain our edge. We've got to get to that sharpness again that God intended for us. You know, as a woman, I, I don't know much about chopping wood, I think most women, I mean, I may, I, may meet some, I may meet some really fantastic chicks who chop wood, but I, I don't know much, 
much about chopping wood, but I grew up uh, where my dad and my brothers used to chop wood because where we grew up in a naval base in Cape Town, uh, there was a wood-burning fire. So I saw early on in life the importance of sharpening the edge of that blade so that no one would get injured because a tool that is blunt is actually very, very dangerous. But one thing I do know is I like a sharp knife in the kitchen, and there's a particular knife that Pastor Andres, even yesterday, last night, he was sharpening that knife so that it would just glide through the meat and glide through the vegetables. In fact, he was chopping onions last night, and it was, uh, he was making guacamole, and it was really delicious. The importance, though, was that the knife had to be sharp. And we read in Ecclesiastes 10, Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you to succeed. Now, I want to read a story. I want us to read a story together uh, that is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's the story of the schools of the the prophets. And uh, these were men who were in training, they they were wanting to learn more about the things of God. And uh, Elisha at the time was the head of the school of the prophets. And just to give you a bit of background, so it's not just something that goes over your head, it's very important that we look at context and we understand what's going on. Well, you know, the schools go right back to the time of Samuel the prophet. And through the ages, there there were always a, a prophet who was able to take these young men and praise God for young men and women who are hungry for God through the ages. May it never cease, amen? Uh, Who then wanted to learn more about the things of God and be raised up. And, you know, it was particularly during the time of Elisha that that the schools were flourishing and uh, they needed to, to enlarge their territory. And so, so let's just, we're about to build, let's just read from 2 Kings 6. And it says, And the sons of the prophets say to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down the tree, down a tree, the iron axe fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he, he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. You know, the story of the, 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 the prophets here, they were on the brink of something big. It may not sound like big, but think back to that time. It was something big. It was something wonderful. They were expanding. We know all about expansion. We know all about building. We know that we want something very special for our campus in Kailami. But you know what? Something went wrong here. And, you know, there was no builder's warehouse around the corner like we today can just pop in our car or if we're in walking distance, we can go there and get get an axe. So it was really a big 
deal because in those days you had to make your own axe and that could take days. And so this young prophet, he lost his edge and he lost his ability to work and to build. And you know, can I just say, if you've lost your edge, don't condemn yourself. You know, no one is exempt. I know personally that I have lost my edge a couple of times uh, over the years. And um, good people can lose their edge, their sharpness. And it's then not the time for us to condemn ourselves and to call ourselves a loser. I'm such a loser. I'm such a failure. You know who does that? The enemy does that. That's not God's language. God doesn't say that over our lives. Amen. He's always there to help us and to assist us. And, and, and I want to say, I know that God wants us to regain our edge, and he's there to help us. Amen. So we're going to look now, before I give you some ways to regain our edge, but I just want to look at ways that we may have lost our edge, and I believe that God will speak to us beyond what I'm going to say today, because I know the Holy Spirit is here, and we welcome your Holy Spirit to convict and to bring just highlighting things in our lives. So the first thought I have, and a question, I have a few questions. Have we lost our love for God and people at this time? Have you noticed that um, with the news bombarding us, with all the needs out there, all the deaths every single day, the amount of cases every single day, the people that have lost their jobs, the, you know, it's almost like we go dead in, on the inside because eventually it just it washes over us. But actually, have we lost our love? Have we lost our compassion? And mainly, have we lost our love for God? You know, in the book of Revelation, John writes, you know, the angel appeared in the form of the Son of Man and, and, and said to him, I've got work for you to do. You've got letters to write. You've got to write to these churches. I've got to address some things. And uh, so in the book of Revelation, uh, he was told to address a particular church, Revelation 2. It says, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Can you see something here? God sees the good, even though they've lost their edge. They've lost their edge here. It says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. You know, the accent of love may have fallen and we need to retrieve it and we need to find it and regain our edge. You know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind and soul, our being, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We always say we're about loving God and loving people, right? Well, that is God's order. That is God's order. We love God and we love people. And you know what? Love is like a garment that you put on, church. It, it's, um, it, it, we dress ourselves. We either put it on. I put this jacket on. So I either put on the garment of love or I leave it in the cupboard and I don't use it and I don't function with that garment. In Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen People holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, 
and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Are you with me today, online church? This church is with me, Kailami. We are also reminded in 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to make a study, Today, on the 2nd of January, go read 1 Corinthians 13 and learn again and remind yourself again what love really is all about. In fact, it says that even if you have faith to move mountains, but you don't have love, it actually says these words, you are nothing. And we don't want to be nothing, amen? And even if you give all your own to the poor, you also gain nothing. Second thought today, have we lost our sight and our hearing? You know, one of the biggest indicators of a lost, of a lost cutting edge is a diminished sensitivity to the voice of God and conviction of the Holy Spirit. I must admit, I had a measure of dullness come over me last year. Uh, I, it was a struggle. It really, for us as, a, as church staff, for Pastor Andre, who preached most of the time for our guys who ministered, it was a struggle. And we still, to, in a measure, we're still speaking to the camera, and we, it, it, it's to reach out. But what it does to you on the inside, you don't feel like you, you're doing your job. You don't feel like, you know, and I had to overcome this and, and, and get rid of this dullness that, that came over me. And... Um, you know, it's not only the lost people out there who can be spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. Amen? Amen. And it, it, because you know what? If we hear the word of God, if you're hearing the word of God and there's going to be some things that you're going to have to do later on in the message, if you only hear what is being said, but you don't obey and do what is being said, you are only building your house on sand. It will all just come crashing down. You know, it's important for us to hear what the word says, so we have spiritual ears and we have eyes that are able to see. The writer to the Hebrews, also just a little background, was speaking about the priestly ministry of Jesus and also calling the church to spiritual growth. And he wrote in Hebrews 5, it says, concerning this, speaking of the priestly role of Jesus and calling the church to spiritual growth, concerning that, we have much to say, which is hard to explain since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insight. Sila moment. We also read in the book of Matthew, Jesus is teaching, Matthew 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And now Jesus was speaking about the Pharisees, but you know what? We ourselves are in danger of becoming like the Pharisees. We are in danger of actually have, having lost our ability to hear the voice of God, to, to not only hear, but and do, and also to see, to have eyes that can actually see what it is God is, God is doing. Amen. And so, have we lost our sight, church, or have we lost our hearing? We need to regain that. And then thirdly, have we lost our zeal for the house of God? 
Can we say like David in Psalm 69, for zeal for your house consumes me. Another translation says, eats me up. That's how we feel. Zeal for God's house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. It doesn't matter what people call me, names. It doesn't matter what people say about us Christians. It doesn't matter what people say about God. It can all fall on me, but we love the house of God and we are gonna be in the house of God. Or can we say like David in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are we glad, church? Amen. We, you know what? We, we, we now have in-person church. And yes, we've gone online, but in-person is so much, so much better. It's not, it's still not 100% as it should be, but it's a step in the right direction. We've taken every step that has come our way, whatever the government has said. Now, now we have a thousand people that can come to church, amen. And can I say to you online that, you know, we're here. No, where are you guys? We are here for you. We are waiting for you. The team is ready for you. Won't you come into the house of the Lord? afraid, we all have been careful, we all have done what we should, what everyone else is doing, but you know, we were watching celebrations yesterday on the TV and I'm thinking, wow, people are packing out restaurants, streets, clubs, people are flying, it's, church, church is safer than everything. Church is distanced, we keep our masks on, we're not eating in the restaurant, are you going to a restaurant? We are. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not condemning you. Uh, you know, our part as spiritual leaders is to implore you and to encourage you and to say, come on, baby, come home, amen. <laughs> you know, we are warned that in the last days, people will be running after messages, you know, but not functioning as the body of Christ. Uh, or worshiping together as God planned for his body to do. We're meant to be a functioning body with a head, with a neck, with hands, with feet. These are us all. That's us. Put together, functioning. That's God's plan. Amen? And, you know, online church can tempt us to, to just listen to messages. And, you know, but we need much more than that. We need a father in the faith. You know, there are, not, there are not many fathers in the faith. So listening to a message, definitely, it's, it, it will be encouraging. It maybe will be uplifting. But actually, it's not really God's plan for us. You know, we are warned in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And you know, we are also encouraged from the book of Hebrews to not forsake the gathering of ourselves. Hebrews 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another. See, we don't just live for ourselves, for our own room, with our own TV. We are meant to motivate one another. 
to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, the church is the only plan God has for this earth. It's the greatest enterprise on the planet, as Pastor Andre has taught us. It's God's only plan to bring in the harvest, to bring in the lost, amen? And, and to see people spend eternity with God. You know, in the book of Revelations, we read and we see a picture of Jesus on a cloud. And it says in his hand he has a sickle, and he is gathering in the harvest. And you know, scholars, and I did check with Pastor Andre, he couldn't quite tell me, but I have been in my concordances, and I've been checking out the scholars, and they say symbolically that sickle in the hand of Jesus is the church. And gathering, God is using only us, only us, we're the sickle, to gather and bring in the harvest, to get people who are lost, to get them to be saved. And we've got to be a sharp sickle. We've got to be sharp. You know, as individuals, we've got to be sharp in our actions. We've got to be sharp in our words. We've got to be sharp with spreading the good news. Every opportunity we have, we've got to be sharp and tell people the reason we believe the way that we we live. Not using that sharpness to cut people down in condemnation, but to bring them to the feet of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The question is, have you lost your sharpness? We're coming to what I really want to talk about. Um, And how do we get it back if we have? And so we're going to look at four ways of how to regain our sharpness from the story of 2 Kings chapter 6. The first thought is go to God. The first thing this man did was he called master. That was the first thing he did. Now, you must understand, in the Old Testament, the prophet was the mouthpiece of God. And we now, in the new dispensation, the New Testament, we can go straight to the throne of God. Amen? So we don't have to come to Pastor Andre or to, to another pastor or a bishop or any, and I'm not meaning Bishop Tutu, um, or anything like that. That didn't, I, I don't know how that even came out of my mouth. But anyway, the first thing we do is we go. What a great man. May he rest in peace. The first thing we do, church, is we go to God. Amen. The young man called out Master. And we can go straight to God. Now, there is one scripture I want to quote us. That alone could answer all the problems in the world. There's one scripture that can answer all the problems in the world, and it's Matthew 11. It says, come to me. What's my point? Go to God. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you know something? If you don't know this, you need to know this. God wants you. He wants us. He says, come to me. I want you. I love you. I'm not going to push you away. You know, King David lost his edge, and he committed adultery. And then he had the husband of this woman, Bathsheba's um, husband, she, she ha- he had him murdered. So he, he did a double sinful, awful thing for a man 
who was a man after God's own heart. Would you agree? But you know, he lost his edge and he repented. And he, he wrote this beautiful psalm that I can only quote one verse of, Psalm 51. He wrote, because he knew the heart of God. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Amen. You know, no matter how far you've gone away from God or how you've fallen or how dull your edge has become, think of the, the prodigal son. Think of, of how he decided, listen, this is not cool, look at my life. And he made a declaration because he knew he had to go back to his father. It was like his father's heart was calling him. And that, that father is a picture of God the Father. The heart of God is saying, come to me. Don't struggle on your own. Don't have this blunt axe that you're trying to, to, to do something with. It's useless. Come to me. I'll sharpen you, right? And I'll give you rest. And I will do amazing things for you. All that you need, I will do for you. Anyway, Luke 15 it speaks of the son. It says, when he came to his senses, because all of us have to come to our senses, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That is our God. Church, go to your father. Second thought, number two, take responsibility. Take re so in, in the story of, of Second Kings, out of 50 prophets who were chopping down trees, only one lost his accent. And, you know, he, he didn't do his job. He didn't do his job, and um, he should have checked while that axe was, although borrowed, in his possession, he was responsible to see that it was a working axe. Because, you know, it's a dangerous thing if that accent is loose or if it's blunt. So he didn't actually uh, do his job. He didn't check, uh, you know, before he started chopping the tree. And, um, but at the same time, he was still a godly man. He was still hungry for the things of God. And, um, you know, but he could have had this attitude like, oh, well, you know what? The accent flew off into the water. Um, it's not really my fault, you know? Um, it, actually, the guy who loaned it to me, it was his fault. He should have checked it. He, he didn't have that attitude. And, and he didn't say, oh, well, you know what? As, as long as the, the, the other people can just carry on, it, it's, all, it's all okay. They can carry the load. But you know what? As long as we blame others for where we find ourselves right now, we will not regain our cutting edge. We cannot do that. We cannot keep. Amen? We cannot keep saying it's someone else's fault. It's the pastor's fault. He didn't preach deep enough stuff for me. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so-and-so's fault. It's my mother's fault. It's my fault. You know, the longer we just blame other people, we're never going to take responsibility 
And we have to take responsibility for where we find ourselves on any occasion and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I have done wrong. I haven't taken responsibility. Number three, don't keep going through the motions. You know, the young man, here I've got an ax, beautifully prepared. Thank you, Kogi. Now, I'm not a chopper, right? So, you know, you know, what he could have been doing is pretend that he was still chopping the tree. Because from a distance, they were probably spread out. You know, well, as long as it looks good, you know? I mean, you know, all the other 49, they can keep going and carrying the load and, you know, laboring there for God. I've done this quite a long time, this thing for the Lord now. And, and you know what? I'll just, I'll just go through these motions and, you know, I'll just look like, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything productive. I'm actually not even touching anything near the tree. No, no, no. We must not go through the motions. You know, when he realized that he had lost the axe head, he cried out and owned up. And he didn't pretend everything was fine. You know, going through the motion in the Christian walk is not living the joyful life. In fact, it's really a miserable, miserable life. If you're just going through the motions, well, I am here now, and I, I'm looking good, and I'm in church, but you know what? God's got so much more for you. Why must everyone else carry the load of ushering and of serving and being on the worship team? Come on. And let's not just go through the motions, because we did communion this morning, and I hope, hopefully we didn't just do it like the bread and the wine, and yes, thank you, Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't go through the motions. Be genuine. No pretending. Amen. The Collins Dictionary says uh, of going through the motions, if you say that someone is going through the motions, you think they are only saying or doing something because it's expected of them without being interested, enthusiastic, or sympathetic. And you know, when we suspect we're going through the motions, we need to examine ourselves. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, and he said, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. In fact, Paul told us, before we even partake of the communion, there's a lot of testing to do. We te we're responsible for ourselves. Test yourself before you take communion to see if your heart is right with God, to see if you've forgiven other people. Amen. Ask yourself, am I making progress? Am I bearing fruit? Uh, do I have passion and joy? You know, ask yourself, what is it that I believe? Because what we believe determines how we are going to live our lives. If it's going to be blunt, if it's going to be sharp, I want a sharp life. Hey, And so perhaps a good time to examine ourselves and stop going through the motions. And the fourth point, take a fresh look at the cross. The man asked the young man, the man of God asked the young man, where did you lose your axe? Where did it fall? In other words, where did it go wrong? Where uh, did you lose your edge? And, and, and you know what? He said, find the exact place Right? So I'm going to ask you, where did you lose your edge, maybe? Was it when you started hanging out with certain friends that, that are not serving God and that are speaking philosophy that is against the word of God, and maybe you lost your edge, you lost your ability to stand up for the things of God? 
I don't know what it, you know, maybe it was when you were disobedient to God, you may have lost your edge, but you know, you need to go to that place and recognize it, as painful as it may be. You know what, Elisha went with the young man as God's representative to that place where he lost his edge, and God will do the same for us. He'll go with us as we confess to him and say, Lord, I haven't hung out with your people who can build me up in the most holy faith. I've hung out with people who are pulling you down. I'm going to that place and I'm going to find my edge back right at that place as I confess it to you. You know, uh, it's that place of failure, if you can see this picture of, of, of the floating exit. It's that place of failure where the miracles can happen. Right there, the miracle happened and the exit floated to the top. And you know what, why a stick? Why a stick? Because I'm saying, I'm saying to us, have a fresh look at the cross. I'm getting there now. Why a stick? Because it was a sign of something greater in the future. Just like when Moses took a stick in the wilderness and threw it into the bitter waters. You know, it's in that place of the bitterness in our lives that God can turn things over into sweetness in Christ, amen? And so the cross is what is represented here. That stick is the cross, and it pointed to Calvary. And you know what, that accent floated out of the, the mire and the clay. It floated out of the dirt. And it's a picture that that's exactly what can happen to us. He can take us from the mire and the clay, and he can put our feet on a rock as we used to sing, amen. And so it's a sign, that, that, that stick is a sign that that which was lost can be found because Jesus nailed our failures to the tree. Go back to the cross, go back to Calvary in its truest sense, let it move you, let it move you. Like when we, when we do communion, let it move you. Remember what Jesus did for us, amen. Remember the suffering, the pain, the rejection. Jesus paid for our sins, he paid for us, amen. We must let it move us. And then finally, as we come to a close, the man of God told the young man to reach out and take the floating exit. In verse seven he says, pick it up for yourself. So take that which was lost for yourself. You do it. That, the, the man of God didn't do it. God is not gonna do it. You, if you want it, if you want it bad enough, if you want salvation, if you want redemption bad enough, take it for yourself. Take the exit, regain your sharpness, and be useful once again in the hands of God. Well, I'm gonna hand over at Kailami to Pastor Adrian, and Pastor Andre is going to come up and pray for us, church. I trust that I have encouraged you in Jesus' name. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 